0: Welcome to another episode of Horror In Session. This week is another classic monster episode, Lesson 5, Frankenstein. I'm your host, Reina Cervantes. As always, I'm with Kayla.
1: I'm alive!
0: (laughs) I'm barely alive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor, with your uh, food poisoning, are you feeling better?
0: Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. It's just if I'm out of it, just... Please don't take it as like, oh, she's not interested in this episode.
1: If you yak, it's a horror podcast. So, I mean,
0: it goes with the theme. I mean, we'll probably edit that out.
1: (laughs) Will we? I don't know.
0: I guess we'll find out. (laughs) And and this week we are joined by Shay Vassar, who is a film critic, writer, and current master of legal studies student, as well as a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. She loved horror cats and basketball and vintage nightgowns and has a column about native representation at film school rejects. Hey. (laughs) Hey, thank you for joining us this week.
2: Of course. No, I appreciate y'all inviting me to be on and this is so cool.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I try to, I try It's Sometimes it's very hard admittedly to bring on uh, more diverse voices in the, in the horror community on here and, uh, definitely like your line of work. I just, it's like some of the best out there as far as native representation goes.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, I, sometimes it's, it's you know, it's definitely passion focused um, and motivated. If not, it would probably burn me out, which is why I like to revisit, you know, things that aren't necessarily always about native representation, Mm -hmm. um, which is why it's like, you know, Exciting to talk about horror, and not in a sense where it has a native lens on it, but for this one, you know, to talk about classic monsters and and my favorite ones at that. So I'm I really appreciate this opportunity. Yay. Yeah,
0: yeah, def- definitely. Thank you again for coming on. Um, once again, with this week we're talking about the Universal Frankenstein movies. So if you guys are ready, we could just hop in.
1: Yeah, ready.
0: Alright, so film number one this week is going to be Frankenstein from 1931, directed by James Whale and starring Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein and Boris Karloff as the monster. This was the first time Boris Karloff donned the iconic Jack Pierce makeup forever cementing the default look of the monster, and at the time of release, critics and audiences said Frankenstein made Dracula from 1930 look tame by comparison and an interesting tidbit about this movie that i put in the notes that i wanted to bring up is that the laboratory set for this movie has an authentic like tesla coil in it
2: that's so cool
0: (laughs) yeah it's when i found that out and i actually found that out from listening to the commentary i was like oh shit that's awesome
1: (laughs) what is an authentic tesla coil what does that mean
0: uh so who wants to explain this
2: It's like, it's, it's one of the ones that Tesla made himself, right? Like whenever he was doing his experiments.
0: Yeah. Nikola Tesla. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Like when he was doing his electricity experiments, you know, like the like laboratory thing of like two giant steel balls with electricity running through them. They had like one of his personal ones in the set for Frankenstein.
1: Whoa. And so is Tesla named after that guy, like the Tesla company named after that guy. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> oh okay i never knew about i never heard about this in history so the more i know
2: that is hey. true you know he's not really talked about no, no
0: <laughs> medicine
2: yeah yeah
0: definitely uh watch a, a current war if you haven't that talks about their entire rivalry oh okay um so so let me start this off by saying uh kayla what did you think of frankenstein Ah.
1: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) This was a lot like when I watched, when we watched Dracula, and I was like, what was going on in that film? Um, (laughs) I I did like this film. I did think that Dr. Frankenstein was like pretty hot, so that was a nice thing. Uh, (laughs) I was like, okay, Dracula's hot, Frankenstein's hot, wow, okay, I can get behind this. Um, But, Other than that, I was like, so he's just not going to face any repercussions. He's just digging um, these um, dead bodies up, and that's just fine. He's just going to (laughs) have his marriage and his life. And we're just like, oh, it's fine. Like, he was just having an episode. Um, Yeah, so I was very confused by that. I did love the the monster look, though. I think he was great. Um, And I thought the beginning was very... It's a lot more grotesque, and I think it was a lot more scarier than Dracula. Just the idea of like them digging up bodies and using old brains was just kind of gross, but in a, in a good way. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And uh, Shay, what's, what's your personal history with Frankenstein?
1: So um, I
2: actually had read the book um, in high school and fell in love with it. And so I hadn't seen this version of it or really any kind of film version of it um, until a couple of years ago. And it was just kind of one of my blind spots on uh, classic cinema. So I watched the 1931 Frankenstein and I just like fell in love because it's, it reminds me of, um, I used to listen to some of the old horror radio shows and how like, As a kid, they scared me so much because it was my parents like almost let me listen to them despite living and growing up in a super Christian household that, you know, we didn't allow a lot of, of horror into the house. But because they were vintage and because they were something that came out on the radio in like the 40s, my parents allowed that. And so that's what it reminded me of. So it was kind of cool to have a nostalgia for something that was new to me um with the mix of like you know the childhood memory of the radio shows and then the the book um from high school and and then having this like black and white you know retro story to add to it i just i think it's such a a cool film
0: but i think my personal history from it is I, i saw this movie at like a super young age um you saw like,
1: every uh, horror movie at a super young age. I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean, when when your mother shows you Halloween at age seven, oh you, my goodness. You just, you just kind of springboard into everything else. Yeah. So um so yeah, like obviously it's like this his look has become like a staple of like you think Frankenstein, you picture Boris Karloff with the square head and the bolts in his neck and everything. So it's like it was a no-brainer to visit this movie back in the day as a kid just wanting to get into more horror but like what I didn't expect was like this like ultra atmospheric like movie like the big gothic castle and like the scene when they're in the cemetery digging up the bodies and there's like that statue of death hanging over them. Oh it's yeah. Like, yeah, the production design. It's like I I sang the praises of the production design for Dracula but Frankenstein cranked it up to 10.
1: Yeah. And they lit that windmill or the house on fire. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's real.
0: (laughs) Legitimately. um, And uh, to, to talk about a a little bit about Boris Karloff. um, Obviously this was like his, one of his first universal movies that like kind of paved the way to him becoming a horror icon, obviously. And uh, the grotesque look is, like, uh, he had, like, a jaw implant from, like, an accident when he was younger. Oh. And, and uh, Jack Pierce actually had that removed from his face to give his jaw that, like, really gaunt look. And that's uh, that's actually why the monster doesn't speak in this particular film, is because Boris Karloff actually couldn't talk without it. Wow yeah so that to me is like the lengths some of these old movies go to like achieve stuff is like astounding i don't know it's like
2: uh it's like a step beyond method acting
0: yeah (laughs) it's like body modification
2: exactly
0: (laughs) um this was also one of universal's first uh i know i'm rambling at this point but uh this was also one of like universal's uh first like horror movies that was actually a uh, super edited and censored back in the day
1: oh um, wait censored because of the haze code or what yes
0: oh 100. so two two particular scenes in this one were edited and were restored for modern releases i believe in the 80s don't quote me on that please um so the two scenes that were edited were First uh was the scene where he throws the girl in the water and she drowns.
1: Oh <laughs> like
0: like like back in the day they were all like, Nope, you're not showing that. You're no. not showing the monster kill a child.
1: I think that makes sense. Yeah, that one's <laughs> uh, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> which is crazy if you think about it. It's like, oh, a movie from the 30s and it shows the monster kill a kid. That is pretty wild. Yeah. Um uh, and then the second is where he successfully brings the monster to life and Frankenstein looks up to the sky and yells, now I know how it feels to be God.
1: Oh, Oh, that's sacrilege.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100% back then they were like, hell no, you're not doing that. Which is crazy because that's one of my favorite moments in the entire movie.
2: Exactly. It's like an
1: iconic moment. And it teaches a lesson. So I don't know why they wouldn't keep it because I feel like in the end, the lesson is like, you can't, can't play God right so
0: mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is like which ties even more to like the original like title of the novel which was Frankenstein comma or the modern Prometheus mm. right Ugh. which uh I, I need to hear you guys talk about this work because I could ramble about Frankenstein all day if you'll <laughs> Let me. <laughs> I,
2: I guess when I think of what I want when it comes to like a horror movie or especially this kind of like spooky season of October, even, even a little bit past Halloween. Like I still think it's spooky and it's kind of everything that's in Frankenstein. I mean, Reina, you mentioned the, the feel and the Gothic, you know, castle, and it's really everything that when I look at other movies that come a little bit later, you also see in in those um I don't know, like I'm thinking of um the is it the haunting it's the the movie that like was based off of the Shirley Jackson uh, oh
0: the the haunting,
2: yeah, the Haunting. oh my gosh, like that one, you know, is so atmospheric and like gothic and and moody and but that even in itself reminds me a lot of the vibe that you get from this movie. Um I think it just sets like a new standard for just atmospheric horror because and and also it it's so interesting just because what they bring over in the creation of this movie from the book is just the depth of poor Frankenstein's monster like he's so sad and like but I I like love him because he is just like so sad that he's alive. <laughs> It's just he's so precious to me I mean I know he like yeah we talked about it he kills kid um so that's <laughs> kind of bad but you know what I mean like he's he's like I didn't ask to be created and I didn't like everyone hates me and they don't even know me and I just it's it's such a a deep message despite um yeah this the story hasn't really been been always taught taught at the depth that the the book goes into so i I love that this movie is just deep on so many levels.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I've also read the book in high school. So I feel, I understand um, the way they interpret it was really different, mm-hmm. but it showed the same messages because in the book, obviously Frankenstein is like speaks Shakespeare, and he's this like really like well thought out man. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still that he's lonely. He, you know, he's feel he's feeling all these things of he didn't ask to be alive, and no one like like no one wants to be his friend. And then um, I think translating that into the movie and then having him be more kid like was really effective as well. Um, but it was it like interesting to see that difference because the book is really it's like really long and <laughs> there's a lot to it so that uh translated into film form and i feel like sim- uh simplified um it's just they're both very different but i think it works
0: i think another reason why to to wrap around to that that tidbit i said at the time i released that audiences thought this movie made dracula look tame by comparison and uh what a lot of people fail to realize i believe is there there is a lot of violence in this movie yeah mm. like um they straight up that scene where uh fritz the hunchback assistant he goes in and starts whipping the monster with a whip and then he go- like t- henry goes back into that room and the monster hung him by his neck from the whip oh yeah like like thinking about like today it's like Compared to modern horror, what we have now, it's like, oh, that's nothing. This movie's literally rated G by today's standards. You go and you think nineteen thirties context, people were probably mortified at the level of violence and like, just kind of like grotesque, like speak in this movie.
1: Yeah, when uh. and when he's the dad is carrying the daughter. That one's pretty hard to watch. Yeah, just the look in his eyes, and then the limp child. It's pretty. It's pretty grotesque. Pretty gruesome.
0: Um, they were actually afraid that she was going to be terrified of Boris Karloff because oh. uh, of the makeup but uh i guess when he walked on set she walked up right up she walked right up to him and introduced herself and like took him by the hand and then they walked around together and rode around in the golf oh. carts around the studio a uh. lot <laughs> so it had the opposite effect like she loved boris karloff <laughs> oh
2: that's like such a sweet story cuz yeah you do hear about I mean, you think of other horror movies where they've kind of sheltered the kid from knowing like what the movie's about or they're afraid that they're going to be scared of the person, the monster, the makeup, the effects, whatever it is. And so I love I always love hearing that the children are just like gung ho with what's going on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like they're like, I'm here to act. Right. Okay, let's do this. (laughs) It's it's. They're literally like Julia Butter's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wait,
1: she's like, I'm here for a reason. <laughs> Just let me do my thing. Wait, did you guys see the headline of from the devil, the devil all the time? What is that movie called? The Tom Holland one on Netflix that came out like two days ago. Oh, um, apparently there's a there's a younger child actor in that movie that plays with Bill Skarsgård who plays Pennywise in It. And so apparently the kid was is really scared of Pennywise, but they oh. just didn't tell him that Bill Skarsgård plays Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pennywise
2: is really scary and he does a really horrifying Pennywise. So I think if I saw him in person, I would possibly be afraid as well. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I always thought that was an interesting tidbit about Frankenstein about boris karloff and and like boris karloff in general with like his co-actors he just always seemed like the most gentle and kind man and on screen he just portrays like these grotesque monstrosities of like violence and terror
1: all the while being gentle and kind though like he's both you know
0: Uh, i mean the man narrated the animated grinch movie so (laughs) what you know Oh, yeah, that's, like, the original, like, How the Grinch Stole Christmas cartoon. Um, It's narrated by Boris Karloff.
1: That's sweet. But, yeah,
0: that's that's Frankenstein's monster doing that. (laughs) And I believe it was one of the last things he did before he died.
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense, because I was like, wait, the Grinch? That seems, like, pretty recent. Not, like, too recent, but recent. (laughs) You
0: know, 1970s recent. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I didn't
2: really know when he died, either. I knew he wasn't still alive, but it's, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to know that he was a big star in, like, Frankenstein in the early 30s and then also was working up to the 70s. I mean, that is a really long career. Yeah.
0: So he died uh, not in the 70s. He died, uh, in, he died February 2nd, 1969 at the age of 31.
2: Oh, my God. I didn't wow. know he was so young.
0: I mean, eighty one. Oh, did I say thirty yeah, one? I was like, what? Oh no, my mistake. Eighty one. Oh, he was okay. born in eighteen eighty seven.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. Amazing.
0: It's and it says for in his non-horror roles, he was born. He is best known to modern audiences for narrating and as the voice of the Grinch in the animated special from nineteen sixty six. So that's his legacy besides Frankenstein and all these other horrific creatures. I mean, you, you love to see it. And, um, I feel, I feel like another cast member that people kind of downplay in this movie is Colin Clive as Henry.
2: Yeah.
0: Like he is so good.
2: He's hot. You're
1: not
0: wrong. Low key though. (laughs) With like that hair and everything.
1: Yeah. I was like, "Hmm." um,
0: Unfortunately, and uh, I I think we'll dive more into this on the second movie. uh, Yeah, apparently he struggled a lot with alcoholism. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, fun fact, in the windmill where uh, the monster is carrying Henry. Yeah. um, I forgot how it happened, but he actually broke Colin Clive's collarbone.
2: (gasps) Oh, shit. Oh, my goodness. Ah!
0: Yeah. It's like at the end when you see Henry like hanging there and his arm looks limp and all that it's because his collarbone is broken oh
1: my god oh my god God. wait 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 you mentioned all this all this like uh violence but you didn't even mention the part where he gets thrown off the windmill and (laughs) hits his body on the windmill and falls and then he's just like i'm fine
0: you know i didn't bring that up but like because it's obviously like super obvious it's a dummy in fact it looks like it's made of fabric but like but now that i'm thinking about it in the context of the movie it's like oh yeah he throws his body from the window and he like shatters his spine oh
1: my god i was like that's wild okay yeah
0: And, and and like that original ending henry was supposed to die right there Wow. That makes more
1: sense. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Rather than get up, oh, I'm fine.
1: Wait, 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 wait! And then in the end, when wait, what does it mean when, like, when the dad was like, he doesn't need the wine? I was like, what is that supposed to mean?
0: Wait, what does he say?
1: Like the okay, so the maids come with the old wine. And like they think we think Master Henry would like <gasps> want this, and then the dad's like, okay, and then he's like. He doesn't need it, and I was like, "What does that mean?" And the movie
0: ended. I wonder, I wonder if that's like a jab that James Whale threw in there to the fact that Colin Clive was like a raging alcoholic. Ooh,
1: Because
2: it,
0: if it's anything you need to know, that James Whale at the time, keep in mind this is the 1930s. He was flamboyant, openly gay, and made huge demands to studios. He was openly gay. He did gay? not like. Yeah, he was openly gay in the '30s. Wow!
1: Whoa, I did not know this. I, you didn't. You were supposed to open with this, Raina. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whoa! i I'm,
0: Listen, I was gonna dive more into the James Whale homosexual talk, like in the next entry. Oh, okay. right. Why. Okay. <laughs> but, but uh, but yeah, so if if anything, I think that line is like a jab at Colin Clive of like the soul's raging alcoholic you don't need that wine. Oh my god <laughs> but i mean i i definitely wouldn't pat it's probably not maybe i'm overthinking it but like i i wouldn't put it past james whale and like you want to talk about gay icons james whale for sure
2: Ooh, we love to see it yes
0: like like the man did Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein and The Invisible Man it's like, come on The
2: Invisible Man, yeah oh my gosh
0: <laughs> yeah, like his his filmography is almost matched to none he also did a uh, the original version of Showboat the one that's problematic and has blackface but that original version right. aside from that is very good probably the best filmed version of that movie, question mark anyway i'm getting off topic (laughs) but uh yeah so uh kayla any last thoughts on frankenstein before we move on
1: no i'm ready to get into two then
0: (laughs) and then uh shay do you have any last thoughts on the first frankenstein
2: no because i'm just so excited for this next one so
0: (laughs) all right all right i'll get on to the second one (laughs) we're getting it from both of you now Film number two, Bride of Frankenstein from 1935, directed by James Whale once again, and starring Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein and Boris Karloff as the monster, joined now by Elsa Lanchester as Mary Shelley and the monster's mate. James Whale had more creative freedom this time around, and the film provides a commentary on homosexuality, religion, and gender. Kayla, any thoughts on this one?
1: um okay so so the beginning i was like i liked the little opening with like she's playing mary shelley and i thought that was super cute um but then they got into the real story and they just changed up the whole ending of the last film (laughs) i was like you guys thought i would not notice (laughs) I'm (laughs) i'm like i'm seeing a pattern here i was like dracula Every film is just its own, its own thing. And then, and then so is Frankenstein. It's like Star Wars. Every, every film is its own. There's a new story going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, um, this one, I really like the special effects with the little people. That was really crazy. And other than that, I was... uh, I I didn't know about the commentary on homosexuality, religion, and gender, so I was I was really confused on the back and forth of Henry Frankenstein and what his true motives there were in this movie, and also why that woman still wanted to stay with him. Um, yeah, <laughs> very true. <laughs> it's just odd. No, okay. <laughs> Um. Yeah, those are my thoughts, Raina. Like, tell me all about it because, I, yeah, Raina and Shay, like, I don't know, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear all of it. I'm excited to hear all of it.
0: All right, Shay, I'll let you take the reins on this one. Okay. Uh, like to start. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I was gonna say because I already can't wait to hear like all the other tidbits you're gonna let us know. Uh, <laughs> but I like really love this film I think I think the beginning is kind of it's funny like it it still has some of the darkness of Frankenstein but then it's also like you have this like Henry who has to kind of figure out his own life while he's still like trying to create a solution for the monster he already made so then he makes another monster and then like the whole rejection of like you know the whole scene where where he's like she hate me like others like I think that is oh my gosh like I I love like the dramatic irony in all of this um but it's also like I love how beautiful the monster ends up being despite her being a monster like You know, I know they were trying to, like, make it all crazy, but her hair is incredible. Her makeup, incredible. The fact that her, like, she still has on this, like, pure white dress despite being a monster, incredible. I just, it's such a great look. And so I love this idea of being, like, um, I don't know. Like, I really love the idea of, like, the, you know, it's talked about a lot in horror theory about the... The monstrous feminine and stuff but this is like the original monstrous feminine and she just looks great and I love like that's my goal in life is to be as pretty as the pride of Frankenstein <laughs> just because it was supposed to be funny during that time but like I I personally think that she looks incredible so maybe she's my style icon I don't I don't really know um not like my hair would ever go up that high because I have very like straight hair that doesn't do much so if i tried to tease it and get it to stick up i don't think it would stay but yeah no i just like this is definitely one that i revisit every october because of just i i want to live inside the world despite but more as like a fly because i don't want to be in the mess that victor Mm -hmm. frankenstein has
1: created do a costume do a costume
2: i know i really (laughs) should.
0: i i i mean you could you could uh i mean have you ever seen a halloween the curse of michael myers yes so remember um uh, the girlfriend character i forget her name but she went as the bride of frankenstein and it was just her hair pulled back with like the gray streaks in there right
2: oh my gosh yeah no i i really should do that
0: i love that totally doable <laughs> um i where do i even start with this <laughs> movie um did you guys capture did you guys catch the religious imagery in this one no so when he's in the hermit's cabin it, he's technically having his last supper and they're eating bread and drinking oh. wine oh. And then when the mob finds him in the forest, they put him up on that stand with the rope and it looks like he's being crucified. Oh my gosh. Interesting. And think, and he's the inverse of Christ. So where Christ came from the dead right. back to life, he's going from dead back to life. I mean, alive back to death.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Crazy, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Blows everyone's minds. And like, that fade to black inside the hermit's cabin. If you look, it's only like two seconds. You blink and you miss it. Everything fades to black, but the cross in the background is lit up.
1: Oh,
2: oh my gosh. Now like, I want to rewatch it just to like, look for this.
0: Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that like James whale kind of toyed with the idea. Oh, he's like the inverse of like God and Christ in the first one. And then Bride of Frankenstein, he's like, No, 100 percent this is what I'm trying to say.
1: Oh, <sighs> damn.
0: It's it's great. And then um to wrap around to that opening scene with uh, Elsa Lanchester as Mary Shelley, and she's like the author coming up with the story. Um he I read somewhere that he did that to kind of show that like the best horror comes from the recesses of our mind.
1: Mm. And
0: mm. And she's telling the story and placing herself in it.
1: Oh as, yeah. As
0: as the bride.
1: Oh. It's
0: uh yeah, it's 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 a lot deeper than the surface than a lot of people give it credit for, I think. And um the fact that Dr. Pretorius in this movie is like straight up a flamb- flamboyant, like almost like homosexual coded character. Right. It's 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 unheard of, like all the imagery and like allegories in this movie. You could definitely tell James Whale had like free reign from Universal because at the time they really wanted that sequel to Frankenstein and they didn't want to do it without him. And he was hot coming off of the heels of doing like the original and uh, the Invisible Man. Right. He did that in between. So they're like, please, can you please do this? And he had like no interest unless it was like. I need full creative control, a hundred percent. Which
1: was hard back then. Like it's not; it wasn't very common. I feel it. Like. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Like the Lemays at Universal would sometimes overspend, and uh, that's a topic for another right yeah, for another movie. <laughs> but uh, sometimes they didn't make the best decisions. But when they did, it it fully paid off. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely rewatch it. And The fact that he's sitting there with the hermit, who's dressed like one of the apostles. Yeah, mind you. I was
1: like, wait, so what does the hermit represent? Because I was like,
0: yeah, he's he's dressed like one of the apostles, right. and like a lot of people talk about how him and the monsters' relationship are this like queer coded as well.
1: Mm, I can see that. I can see that. Well, and I almost feel like the bride
2: herself could be like pretty queer coded just because you know it's it's like or at least this rejection of of like a homo or heteronormative um like lifestyle that we're kind of all put into because you know her whole purpose is to be a mate and then when she comes to life she's like no
0: <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: no, I'm yeah. fine. I don't want to be with this guy. and then like and of course like the the guy monster is like all sad about it because he's been promised this in the same way that like especially in this time it was, you know, the compulsory uh, heterosexual relationships was kind of what it was. But then if you read about like old Hollywood at this time, it's like there was a lot more um openness like sexually with with you know there was starlets that were bisexual and all of that that we Colin Clive was. Oh my gosh.
0: He was bisexual. I forgot to bring that up.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) That's so great. So, So yeah, there is a lot of like that queer thought like around this movie in particular, more so than any of the other Universal Monster movies. Um, Even I like to Dracula.
1: Say... Wait, was it which one? Wait, was it daughter? Oh, Dracula's daughter?
0: daughter. I would say they're on par, mm-hmm. almost. Uh, I like I like the way Bride of Frankenstein tackles it a bit more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you can tell this was made by somebody who was homosexual,
1: mm-hmm.
0: rather than Dracula's daughter, who was made by a straight man that we know of yeah um but but definitely i feel like *Bride of frankenstein was uh james whale just kind of flexing i think (laughs) it was like oh okay you want me to do a sequel here watch this
1: right that's Um,
0: so interesting 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 tidbit time because i'm sure you guys are dying to hear some of these um colin clive broke his leg before filming so, almost all of his scenes he's sitting down and wearing a robe, oh, wow. yeah, it never shows his legs if you watch
2: because he was just
1: chilling <laughs> yeah
0: he, he was he was chilling, right. and rather than recast him or delay the movie, they're all like, just sit well, we're ch- yeah, just sit down, <laughs> just chill, homie,
1: oh my God. It's it's the one
0: uh, where was this the one where the
1: monster tells him to sit
0: too? Yeah, <laughs> like so it's Boris Karloff shoving him in and going sit. Oh my god! Um, and uh, the monster's face, of course, they didn't take out his jaw implant, so the monster's face is a bit fuller in this one, right? But uh, still has that like signature Jack Pierce look that we all know and love. Um, I really like Boris Karloff in this movie uh, like talking and everything yeah um, he's a fast I lost learner, my train of thought. Too. yeah the, the monster
1: and everything it was going so well
0: <laughs> until really until he said oh he has like that great line at the end where he looks at her and he's like no we belong dead
1: oh shit yeah
0: oh I love that line and the delivery of that and and then her just hissing like a cat.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's so good. <laughs> like oh. And then it goes back to like where, you know, Mary Shelley is just telling the story.
0: So to also like an interesting tidbit was like her husband, Elsa Lanchester, was like also bisexual. Ooh. So her husband was a was uh hold on
1: the
0: actress's husband yes the actual actress's husband oh um was uh was bisexual and like supposedly homosexual and that their marriage was just to cover up oh her husband her husband was charles lawton (gasps) who did night of the Hunter. right
2: oh my god i forgot they were married
0: yep and like it was like there were numerous reasons why they couldn't have kids I think the official one was that the studio paid for an abortion for her and it botched it and she couldn't carry kids. Mm. And then that, and that another was that he was homosexual and just didn't want kids.
2: Well, and supposedly that happened to a couple of uh, like really big actresses at that time where if they were like got pregnant and they would just like have botched abortions, basically and then later, we're never able to have kids. So, uh, like, that's also could be just, like, a really good cover-up if you don't want to have children because you're like, I'm also just married to, like, my gay friend. Yeah. I, I mean, either way, it's, I mean, it's totally legitimate. Um, so, I just, I always find it so interesting how how open but yet secret the classic hollywood lifestyle was of like you know you hear about like all these um like women actresses who were all having relationships with each other and stuff and it's it's just so interesting to me to hear more about this and then see where it's it
1: comes out in film form you know yeah, mm-hmm. I never even really heard about any of this stuff, so it's really interesting. Is there any classes like this in universities? Like someone tell me. Like, old Hollywood like LGBT, queer. I don't know. Reina, can you teach it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I I would jump at the opportunity to host to like teach a class or like host a panel on it. Oh, that would be uh, so
1: cool. Yeah.
0: Maybe one day cuz like I know, like I tweet about and talk about, like all horror and like modern horror and all that, but I have a very strong soft spot and like strong knowledge of like old horror, like particularly universal. I had just this last summer bought that massive like thirty film box set, yeah, uh, and like ran through it in order. I watched every single movie, like all thirty, and uh, and then the ones that weren't in the set like from Scream Factory and all that. I went out and like bought all those to watch all of those. So I mean the fact that like this is this is for sure one of the like biggest examples of like that Hollywood I'm gonna call it like secret queer like comes out. Right. It like really hits hard in this movie and I I love it to death because of that. And uh like you said just the secrets that everyone would keep in Hollywood, sometimes those would just like bleed into film and it's super fascinating when it does.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It's um, interesting or it's not, I don't know. Me and my friend Tyler met in film class and we are just talking about how, I mean, we know back old in old films that like LGBT and diversity is not as heard of but like it's still there, and yet you're gonna give us these movies by problematic people, so we're just like you you're only showing us like ten movies throughout the semester, and four of them are by problematic people. there are diverse movies out there from you know back then um.
2: exactly I mean, yeah, I didn't even know about um. Like this reading of it. I mean, I had, I guess I haven't done a lot of reading on the Frankenstein movies. I just really like to watch them. <laughs> so I think, especially with Bride of Frankenstein, I had put like my own kind of like queer reading on it. But knowing that there's some purposeful stuff sprinkled in Frankenstein and then really made bigger in The Bride of Frankenstein because of a gay director it's like i i do wish that more of this was talked about in film school and that kind of thing because it it, it's such a interesting um just history as well as feeling represented in a time where there wasn't a ton of of representation so
0: Mm -hmm. this this is turning out to be a very queer episode which is what my intention was with it (laughs) yay (laughs) um And it's also like crazy that James Whale like used Colin Clive's like alcoholism to his like advantage. Like uh, I was reading on it and it said he refused to recast him because he said like the alcoholism would add to his hysterical quality like the way Frankenstein was written to be in this movie.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And I was like oh that's kind of awful but like genius at the same time in a way. It's like (laughs) man. (laughs) <laughs> that's terrible it adds to the character
1: <laughs> <laughs> i because hope he like he... stayed friends and got him help or something <laughs> Jeez.
0: unfortunately uh colin clive i don't believe was alive for very long after this movie wait
1: i think i did um, hear about that
0: no? let me let me look this up for you right Yikes. now
1: that's unfortunate i feel I yeah because like was... he was
0: such a great actor yeah
1: but that was yeah. such a back then that there was just not support for these these actors and i've i don't think they there is paid as much too i forgot
0: so he died two years after bride of frankenstein was made from severe chronic alcoholism oh, and died from complications of tuberculosis at the age of 37
2: <gasps> oh my goodness
0: Mm-hmm. It said uh, his alcoholism was apparent to his co-stars and was often seen napping on sets and was sometimes so intoxicated that he had to be held upright for over-the-shoulder shots and was tormented by the medical threat of amputating his long-damaged leg from the horse riding accident that he suffered before Bride of Frankenstein. They actually might have had to amputate it.
2: Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, so he lived... Uh, Kind of a very tragic life. Yeah. Now that I'm like really looking at it, I
1: feel like so. you see hear that a lot with old Hollywood stars, though. Like more, like I don't know. I feel like there just wasn't as much um, care for them. Mm-hmm. Um, like the because I feel like the the industry was so new, it's just mm-hmm. they didn't have this same understanding of how to care for these people those, who are in
0: these situations yeah they didn't have those uh, safeguards mm-hmm. yeah I mean I'm I'm sure rehabilitation was not a common thing back then
2: that's true and probably seeing it as something like like yeah it's obviously an issue if he can't even work and he's sleeping on set and has to be held up but calling it a disease rather than you know just being like you should stop yeah. I'm sure that wasn't as as open so I I I bet that's like hard when people are just like you should stop and he's like I I can't and then them acting like that's something bad or the fact that he can't control you know and I, I think that's probably some of the same issues that um some addicts deal with today it's just like the the same kind of thing but I mean if we're just now getting to a point in 2020 where people can get help for things like addiction and mental health without feeling a stigma. I can't imagine what it was like in the thirties. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you said, it's sometimes it's still faux pas to talk about it today. Right. And just like in the thirties, it's like probably brutal. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. And like, you know, in a way I'm kind of glad like his legacy, like truly lives on because you think Matt scientist character for me personally, Colin Clive is like the first person that pops into my head completely with like the slick back hair and the white coat with the gloves and that like, certain
2: voice mm-hmm. you know the like the way he he did his voice as the character was is very specific, and yeah, no, he definitely is the blueprint for that
0: definitely um Kayla, any final thoughts uh now that we're done talking about this like somber right uh, right, right. yeah very downer note we ended that one we're like yay uh,
2: queer
1: oh
0: but this man suffered from alcohol really bad probably couldn't get the help he needed
1: r.i.p Colin clive she's a good one Yeah. yeah that's all i have to say
0: and uh, Shay, any last thoughts on this one in particular?
2: No, other than I just want to live in it forever and just should play on repeat as I like work every day. Just put it on and just like have it set the tone for my life.
0: And then my final thoughts are I'm seeing like a strange amount of people on Twitter going like, oh, first time watch and it's Bride Frankenstein. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I I am not into gatekeeping at all. Like, please, please watch this movie. It like yeah it needs to be a staple in everyone's horror knowledge. Completely. Especially with the modern context that we have now of it, I think it's a very important film, and I have it even here in my notes that it's actually one of my personal favorite horror films of all time.
2: Ooh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it, I would love to own an original theatrical one sheet but then i looked up that it's the most valuable poster of all time and i was like oh i'll never that.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you're like oh i th-
0: i think it sold for something ridiculous like almost 5 million
1: <gasps> oh shoot yeah that was me and I was I was like, looking at like Emma original Emma books by Jane Austen and i was like $23,000 oh my like, gosh <laughs>
0: Listen, if I ever win the lotto, though, I am for sure buying that Bride of Frankenstein poster.
2: <laughs> you <laughs> have to, yeah.
0: And like put it in a vault somewhere. No, I'm kidding. I'll put it in like a UV protected frame <laughs> and hang
2: it up. It's bulletproof, so if anyone ever tries to steal it,
0: it's like my mansion burns down <laughs> and that's the only thing that survives.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if a non LGBT person owns this poster, like we have a right to take it back, right? Yeah.
0: I. I mean, it's it's that's the law. We have to.
1: That's how it works.
0: It's gonna be. It's it's gonna be okay. Here's my pitch for Ocean's Nine. It's gonna be an an all an all lesbian cast, and it's gonna be them plotting a heist to steal a bride of Frankenstein. <gasps> yes.
1: Wait. Oh and my gosh. During the plot, during the whole plot, that you think that they're trying to steal it to make five million dollars, but then in the end, they're just like, "No, we just want to put it up in the house."
0: right yeah <laughs> and and their informant is going to be a gay man that look li- that is a colin clive Lickle. oh,
2: <gasps> oh my, my gosh i want to produce this not like i have like, money or anything but if i did i'd be like produce now
1: <laughs> oh my- sounds for
0: <laughs> maybe one VH. day that actually sounds that actually sounds like an ocean sequel that i would have. yeah
1: ex- exactly
0: <laughs> we're not stealing money we're stealing movie memorabilia <laughs>
2: just to hang it
0: like, yeah
2: not for money like not to sell it but because we just want to love it
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. speaking of uh, speaking of loving movies uh i'm gonna take a moment out to read a, a message from our sponsor this week folks do you love movies the good ones the bad ones everyone told you not to like it sounds like super Yaki is the place for you The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much, they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts advocating for the immediate production of a third national treasure, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even offer top-quality enamel pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously... Brings you wearable love letters to the movies and filmmakers you love. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco friendly, 100% water based inks and ships using compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That's s u p e r y a k i dot com. Let's watch more movies.
1: Yay! I'm so excited for the Halloween drop. I can't (gasps) even contain my excitement. I I, same.
2: Like I was just wearing my, I was wearing my super yaki shirt yesterday, and I got a lot of compliments. Um, Which one? I was wearing the West Studi one um, because, you know, I got to represent that Cherokee actor. Um, and oh, yeah. I had a meeting <laughs> with a whole bunch of other Native people and they were like, does your shirt say West Studi? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool to like tell everyone outside of the film world, like about Super Yaki as well, and being like, They have great stuff for us too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I- i i legitimately love them i just like i just about an hour ago i got a shipping notification that like their star wars drop like is being sent out to me today and i was like hell yes (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) i legit can't wait to wear that laura dern shirt oh yeah classic um but once again thank you to them for sponsoring us Movie number three this week is Son of Frankenstein from 1939, directed by Roland V. Lee, starring Basil Rathbone as Wolf Frankenstein, Bela Lugosi as Igor, and Boris Karloff as the monster. This was the final time Boris Karloff played the monster, and is the first horror film made by Universal after the LeMays were forced out of the company after the studio fell into a slump kayla what did you think of this particular installment
1: this is my favorite wine (laughs) um it was funny again how in the beginning of this film it was like the other film didn't happen who's the who's the bride of frankenstein we don't know her she doesn't exist Um, (laughs) (laughs) um but other than that this one was the most coherent for me to follow like the easiest one for me to follow or I was just like oh yeah I get why he's doing that I get why this is happening um I really loved the family dynamic they had going on there and the fact that um he wasn't actually really implicated by this monster I felt like that made the storyline very different and interesting because even though he helps Frankenstein, the monster. It's funny that they uh, they added that meta line in the beginning where they're like, yeah, "Some people even think that the monster's name is Frankenstein," because that's just so. <laughs> cool. yeah. I was like, "Okay, that's meta." Like I didn't know they had meta back then. Because um, um, people actually call they think that the monster is named Frankenstein, but obviously the doctor is Frankenstein, or obviously to us. But um, yeah, I thought it was interesting that he brought the monster back to life, but he didn't necessarily, like, him being alive isn't not his fault, so I could um, understand his character a little bit better and side with him a little more. Didn't think that it was weird that the wife stayed with him and they got to leave. I thought it all ended up understandable.
0: And then uh, Shay, you have any thoughts on this movie? Well,
2: I love that his name is Wolf. That's like a – there's something about that I really love because um, it's just different. And then I love how we have like a, a Legosi Lugosi um, meets Boris Karloff. Like there's something there that's just so classic, you know, because this is the first one – Yeah, that we have like, this is the first one I would guess that Bella Lugosi's like in with Boris Karloff, like in this Frankenstein series. And then you have like iconic meets iconic. And so there's just something really cool about that. Um, I mean, since I said that, you know, Bride of Frankenstein is my favorite. Um, you know, this is probably this is the one I probably know the least, just because I vis- I visited the other two like a lot more, and I think they're a little bit more known um, just in general. But this one, it it still has like the kind of the same vibe, and it, it's it's again it's that classic feeling, and I just I I just love. Oh, sorry, I just I feel like I could just keep smiling because I just love like these retro. Um, horror films it just there's something so special about them that if they weren't made i i still feel like we would be missing out on so so much from horror i mean they are the beginning of these these just atmospheric characters and settings and um like you said the the family dynamics and all of that that we see in in future horror films that come decades and decades later so it's just uh I love I love these movies.
0: <laughs> My personal thoughts with this one is, uh, I, ha- I hands down, far and away, believe this is Bella Lugosi's best performance. Ooh. Like I love him as a uh, Igor. He is just he brings like a level of like almost camp to these movies yeah. that is just super like engrossing to watch. Like and the fact that like. I It never fully states, but is he supposed to be the character of Fritz from the first Frankenstein? Because he talks about how they hung him from his neck and he didn't die.
2: Maybe. Or maybe it hints at S- that.
0: Yeah, and he keeps talking about how he worked with Frankenstein's father. Right. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, is that supposed to be the same damn character? But if that's so, then how come the monster is mute again? Right. <laughs> Like like there's no consistency and I don't think anyone really cared back then there wasn't any home video it's like you missed a movie in the theater guess what you you missed it <laughs> that's
1: it i forgot that oh. okay good i good thing you bring that up cuz i'd never even like thought of that that makes sense
0: yeah yeah so i think they were like very liberal with like oh here's the canon of this it's like no if they don't remember they don't remember who who cares? <laughs> um i i kind of like the plot of this movie a lot actually to be honest yeah um ha- how the monster or like uh igor is like kind of blackmailing frankenstein's son into doing this right wait was it was it this one with the blackmail yes i always get I'll, okay i always get this one and I... goes to frankenstein confused
1: <laughs> yeah he was he was manipulating him
0: yes yeah. yes he was which made it complicated i knew that yeah i knew that just to all the listeners out there i knew that (laughs) (laughs) um and and it's interesting because this is like like i said this was like the first one that the Lemays like didn't produce like after numerous failures they were it was like a hostile takeover at universal and they like ousted them out of the company but at the same time they were like well fuck now we're not making any money like at all so i think at the time like uh if i'm correct movie theaters were doing double features like second run double features of dracula and frankenstein Mm. and they were successful so you know the new top dogs at universal were like yes yes we need to do that (laughs) so kind of rush this one into production um script wasn't even completed as far as i remember like the director was rewriting scenes up to like 15 minutes before they shot them oh my gosh
1: gosh. that sounds like the rise of skywalker (laughs) (laughs) you're not wrong
0: we made it one hour into this podcast before star wars got brought up that's a new record for us
2: (laughs) that's pretty good i mean yeah no star wars i mean it,
0: it, it, it's like kind of a running joke on this show because uh me and kayla are, like huge star wars fans it's like okay we're hosting a non-star wars podcast like how long can we go without mentioning it it's i
2: hard. get it
0: i believe i believe the first episode was like 20 minutes but now we're <laughs> up to an hour.
2: an hour it's good as long as it's brought up every episode though you know it keeps it it keeps it in yeah i can I mean, it
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for one day a listener to like listen and go like, "Hey, you didn't mention Star Wars at all." <laughs> so we're getting there. Um, but yeah, 15 minutes before filming, it's like I can't imagine how probably low key stressful that production was. Dang
1: it doesn't feel like it though like <laughs> you say
0: no it doesn't that. because this movie's good they say,
1: say like this about this film and the other two films i'm thinking what is going on in these movies like what like it's day and night you know like he's he's this evil guy and the next thing oh yeah let's just go home and then at this movie i was more like oh yeah like they understand what they're doing here not that i'm saying that they didn't understand that what they're doing but the plot was just like all over the place man
0: <laughs> i i i feel like i feel like part of that was like james Whale's camp yeah but also that's what i feel like is missing out of this movie. yeah i could see that like i could just imagine bella lugosi as igor being directed by james Whale. Ooh. Like oh, I would have loved to seen that. Like I'd have given anything to see that low key.
1: Oh, <laughs> I feel that. This is like my second time where I just I like the film that everybody likes the least. Like with *Fan of the Opry*, I'm like, yeah, I love the 19. What was it 39 one? I was like, yeah, it's my favorite one. 43 one. I was like, yeah, it's my favorite one. You're like we don't, like know one. I'm
0: like, you know what? <laughs> I would, I would. <laughs> to be honest, I would be super bored filming, like recording this if, like, everyone agreed. Very true. <laughs> so the fact that you, like, son of Frankenstein, the best is like provides more interesting conversation, to be honest. Yeah. Rather than everyone just regurgitating, the, like, yeah, of course, Bride of Frankenstein is the best one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so so you said you liked this one because it felt more consistent. Like uh do you uh-huh. mean like more consistent like tone wise?
1: That and character wise, I guess. <laughs> uh like their erraticness between their erraticness of Dr. Frankenstein and the relationship with Elizabeth always confused <laughs> me. <laughs> but No, yeah, her, I could see that. I think I don't I don't think they didn't know what they were doing. I think it's just like that which is just it's funny i mean and i think they know that some of it is kind of funny um so i'm not like saying it's a bad thing but i did like it more where i was just like oh this is complicated he he's not really responsible for frankenstein but he is but he's not a bad guy because he's doing this he's like actually doing this for science not like saying he's doing it for science but actually doing it to be god he's really just doing it for science, and then the fact that the, there's an actual bad guy here and it's Igor and it's not Frankenstein, I just thought it was mm-hmm. fun. And I liked the um, back and forth between the policeman and him, too. I thought that was, like, interesting as well. I,
0: I feel like a lot of the problems with the first two kind of stemmed from um, – how do, how do i word this it stemmed from uh adapting such a monumental book
1: mm. Mm. yeah
0: like that like that book is it may not be the longest book but it is dense mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like um i know uh i know you two have read it probably more recently than i have so do you guys want to talk a little bit about a? Uh, where problems could arise in adapting that like for the time period maybe
2: oh I haven't read it in a while it's been one that's been on my list to revisit um just because like I um I like love that time era for just literature in general and I love the idea of just like the gothic novel and the fact that Mary Shelley was able to create a gothic novel without like the the ghost if that mm-hmm. makes sense like it's like a ghost without being a ghost and she comments on so many things just about like belonging and and being able to communicate with each other um Mm -hmm. also like being self-serving in our actions and Mm -hmm. it's hard I think whenever you're taking a lot of these philosophical ideas that Mary Shelley is able to explain through words and put it into a film and also in a medium that is not very old uh, you know especially because like talkies were just new at this time so dialogue is not really anyone's expertise because it hasn't been around long enough for anyone to be really great at it so I I can't imagine what it was like to be inspired by such dense like such a dense story and it's such a dense work of really art I think it's such a, a beautiful book um but knowing that that that's not really what like the film medium was being used for was exactly to be this deep philosophical thing.
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I, and uh Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I agree with all of that. I think that the book is obviously a very serious book, and I don't know if this film would have been as iconic if they would have made it a film that takes itself seriously. And especially during this era, I think people go to the movies to have a good time and at the end of the day the book is very very how it's it's very sad um the whole thing's just very sad (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it does make you think a lot and I just it's one of those things like if you put it in a film if you tried to replicate that same feeling of the book in the in a film um you just you just I don't think you would have had a good time like,
0: yeah, like, um, so you think this time around it was just universal going like, and eh, we own these characters, let's just do whatever with them, yeah, let's just crap their own thing, mm-hmm. which i I definitely feel like like kind of plays into um the strengths of this particular installment, um mainly more so' cause, uh it's always weird that like Frankenstein and of Frankenstein have horror are horror movies because let's be honest Frankenstein is like the birth of science fiction right Mm. so it's like there's like that clash of like tones and whatnot I feel like when it comes to adapting it um granted I love them as gothic horror movies um I love the movies more than the book um so I was I was down with Son of Frankenstein kind of going like like yeah if we do own these characters let's just craft our own thing and like not not be held back by the restraints of the book like we were the first two times around. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, completely.
0: The only thing I don't like about this movie is what the hell is that vest that the monster is wearing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's true.
0: Like, the design is, it looks so hokey. <laughs> oh. Like, they're like
1: representing a new phase in his life. <laughs> I don't know. Larry like just
0: wears like fur randomly. Yeah,
1: there. it's like Ray when she got her like it was her Jack outfit, but it was white. Yay.
0: That is another mention of Star Wars. I'm low-key getting triggered. <laughs> <mean>. <laughs> well God, I lost my track of I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm in a mood today. Oh no, you're good. I can tell. You're good. You're good.
1: I just need to give Star Wars a little humbling today.
0: You know, we'll probably edit this out, but yes, Star Wars does deserve a ripping. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh. But yeah, that was. Maybe they spent all the money on Igor, because, I mean, I can't even tell it's Bela Lugosi.
0: I know. Oh. He's so good. Yeah, he's so good. I just want to reiterate that that like this and Ghost of Frankenstein are so entertaining because of him.
2: What an icon! Like truly an icon.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad uh, how he got typecast so much as a uh, Dracula. I know, even though he only played the character twice.
1: Oh no!
0: I think I mentioned that in our first episode that he only played the character twice, yet everyone sees Bella Lugosi and goes like Dracula
2: right I mean I even feel like I do that so I now I feel bad I'm like I need to to redeem him
0: (laughs) well Igor is that redemption in my book yeah I I hands down thoroughly believe that it is his best performance out of like anything he's ever done he's just so like he's so like camp and like kind of like intimidating but also non-intimidating at the same time. I could see that. Yeah, he's like he he's very unpredictable.
1: Yeah. And just the idea of Dracula like Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and then Dracula in that type of costume all together. <laughs> like that's something like if that would break headlines today, you know. Right. It, it, it was
0: day. literally, like, it was literally the first MCU. <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I I'm, go I'm, I'm
0: not kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure back in the day, you know, how people were like, oh, I'm fucking tired of these Marvel movies. They were probably like, oh, another universal <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> and then Dracula. <laughs> Dracula is Iron Man. <laughs> Kind of because <laughs> I think Bella Lugosi comes back as Dracula in one of the final Universal horror films. Oh
1: my God. Wow! Wow! What a revelation!
0: I mean, I'm sure I, I'm sure Marvel looked at the like Universal horror movies and went like, "We can do that." Like the fact that they pick up one after another, it's like Universal laid the foundation for stuff like that.
2: Yeah yeah now that I'm thinking about it I'm like I can see all of the like things that you can buy that have the the MCU on them I'm replacing them with the monsters faces and then it's <laughs> saying like universal monsters instead and I'm like yeah it's the same
0: <laughs> oh man I would love for it to be as big as the MCU oh, yeah I mean I'm, I'm really stoked that Blumhouse is doing like like uh invisible man wolf man and rumors that they're doing dracula so i mean i want all of this to come back so bad i mean it was part of the reason that i even started this podcast with kayla was that like i watched uh, the box set and i was like oh I love talking about these so much.
2: They're so, yeah. Well, and like you said, like, these are the kind of movies that you can't gatekeep because you just want everyone to watch them. So when you see that people are visiting them for the first time, you're like, oh, yay, Like you're joining the club.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And once again, to reiterate our mission statement is that the reason that I myself, I mean, I wouldn't proclaim myself as a horror expert, but somebody like numerous people have and kayla who's a horror newbie it's like that's the reason i started this is that like i want horrors to be accessible to everyone i don't want people to feel like oh i can't jump in and be a horror fan now it's like too intimidating right. and whatnot
1: mm-hmm. and then like, the it- fandom is so small and condensed i feel like it like exists in its own little world stuff like star wars has like multiple little pockets but i feel like horror is very condensed from what i'm seeing
0: Mm -hmm. it can be it's it's usually like horror twitter is separate from film twitter Mm -hmm.
1: i could see that yeah Yeah.
0: Um, kayla any 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 last thoughts on son of frankenstein
1: Um, no, I just really, really liked this one and I loved the set design and like the little um the back ways and the secret passageways. I thought that was really cool. And I think that even though this is not the most popular one, you guys should give it a chance since I really liked it.
0: And uh Shay, any last thoughts on this particular one?
1: Um, no, I I think
2: I think we've pretty much said it all. I, I do love I love the cast and I just, I love the three movies, you know, together, separate. I think they really are just such a, such a fun watch. Like, yeah, so good.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Um, my final thoughts are uh, you could get the Frankenstein legacy DVDs that has all of the Frankenstein movies. You could get them pretty cheap now. Ooh. I would definitely recommend that because some of these sequels are highly underrated. I mean, not enough people talk about Bela Lugosi as Igor, and he's so great. Yeah. Um, and they
1: get hard to find sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes. Um,
1: the sequel. Although
0: although I did want to say this for our listeners is that you could get, like, the base, like, a set of Universal Monsters, the, like, main eight, which are, like, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Dracula, Invisible Man, Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Phantom of the Opera. You could get a set with those for like, I saw it yesterday at Target on DVD for like 10 or $15. Whoa! Yeah, so, and they're also free on Peacock. So either or, if you want to own them, they're pretty cheap right now because it's near Halloween. Oh! Definitely, definitely go seek those out. And I believe Amazon is constantly running sales on the, Big thirty movie set that I have on Blu-ray. It's regularly like hundred and fifty, but like I think I saw it the other day on Amazon for like ninety-seven dollars. Wow! Which for like thirty movies on Blu-ray, right. that's like an insane deal.
1: Spooky basket ideas.
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs>
1: the best holiday. Yes. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. Oh, we got we got something cooked up real good for near Halloween. Ooh yay <laughs> so we'll we'll probably announce that here pretty soon in a while and uh so we're gonna move on to our guest question it's what we ask our guests every week it's kind of a running thing kind of a running joke question conversation but this is for you shay um who would you like to see cast as dracula in Karen Kasama's upcoming adaptation
2: Ooh. uh I I don't know. That's such a good question because there's so many great actors right now. Um I'm trying to think of like who I would really like to see. I mean, okay, so my celebrity crush is you Luna. So, I mean, I guess Ooh. I'll throw him out there for it because Ooh. like that'd be kind of cool if we yeah. had like a Mexican actor as Dracula. Um and also, he's a really good actor. Like he, you know, he's done multiple genres, but we've never really seen him in horror. So that would be kind of cool to see if he can take some of his skills for uh, the more dramatic and bring it into a horror film. I think. I think. Actually, I'm just gonna leave it there. I think. Yeah. The more I talk about it, the more I'm like picturing it, and the more I'm like, no, I, I'm gonna like call Karen myself and be like, listen. You should you should hire Diego Luna.
1: Yes, I'm also a <laughs> big Diego it, it, Luna stan as well. Good, yes, <laughs> yes. I love e, Rogue One.
0: E, 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 e Mama Tambien is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh my gosh,
2: I have I have a poster but it's it's a serbian yutuma poster in my living room so oh,
0: that's awesome yeah
2: it's it's one of my favorite but then like rogue one too, i'm i'm a huge fan so i have like two rogue one shirts i have um like one of them is just cassian's face and then i have like the like i have so much like rogue one just like memorabilia like around the apartment so yes. yeah like i'm a I, i'm a big fan
0: at the at the start of quarantine i I paid a I paid a stupid amount for a theatrical one sheet of Rogue One. Oh, that's so cool
1: though. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: It's cuz
0: it's cuz I have like all the theatrical one sheets for all the Disney Star Wars movies because I was working at the movie theater at the time oh. and Rogue One Rogue One was the only one I didn't get. So you had I to. Like, I was like I needed to complete the set.
1: Yeah.
0: So um We stay winning so- with
1: um the Cassian Andor series. I was like everybody was like I keep forgetting about the Cassian Andor series and I'm like, Whatever, I stay winning like Yeah. I've been saying Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie and look what was presented to me. Exactly. <laughs>
2: we're eventually going to get it. Like, one day.
1: <laughs> one day, stop. Wait, no, they're actually filming it so now I can stop worrying. Because at first exactly. I worry, But they're, like, filming it now and, like, we're good. It's
2: I was so afraid they were going to cancel it. Me but, too. you know, maybe maybe we just send Diego over to Karen and be like, okay, this is your Dracula now. so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Literally,
0: so, so to supplement that question, would you want Dracula to be a period piece or a modern adaptation?
2: i part of me wants it to be a period piece um or at least bring in like period elements into a modern mm-hmm. because sometimes I feel like when horror movies are remade in in modern times, they take away some of the like it, sometimes they it become cheesy mm. and I felt that way with the remake of um, the Halloween movies not the newest one where um, oh my god the
0: Rob Zombie one's correct right yes
2: oh my gosh those like did not work for me completely because they just like there was something really creepy about the innocence of like and I even as like when I was younger but especially now like looking at the like innocence of the time period in it versus like living today where it just didn't work the quite the same way and so i i would be interested to see it more in a in a period piece um just to keep keep that like gothic feeling because like gothic feeling in like a 2020 type setting might not work
0: I I need more Mexican vampire movies besides From Dust Till Dawn <gasps> and the Santos movies. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, uh as a as a, a as a Latinx person myself, I'm I'm begging you, more Mexican vampires, please.
2: Oh, that would be wonderful.
0: Um, but that's that's great. Um, I actually I actually really like that answer. That might be my favorite. That and Lakeith Stanfield have been my favorite answers so far. Okay. We just that like key Stanfield one gets everyone. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm like, oh, okay,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, wow, good good stuff. I'm, I'm gonna add that to the list. I've been keeping track of like all the answers that have been given.
1: Oh, you have what to. Right? What if one of us is right? Wouldn't that be <gasps> funny?
0: Dude, that's why I've been keeping track just in case they announce that announcement. I could be like, oh, so and so called it on this podcast on this day, <laughs> right?
2: Have, like a track record.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm just dreading the day that like the announcement does get announced, and like, I'm like, what am I gonna ask my guests as the final question?
2: <laughs> it's like, no, I can't do it anymore.
0: <laughs> For real. Um. So before we get out of here, uh, Kayla, did we have any announcements about our giveaway or anything?
1: Oh yeah. So this is gonna be posted on Sunday. So that means the giveaway is ending tomorrow. So you can still enter it today and then I think we're announcing it on the 28th. So that is that Monday or Tuesday? One of those days.
0: Some Someday next yeah, week.
1: Yeah, someday <laughs> in the next day. <laughs> but you can still enter today.
0: Definitely. And uh, as always, keep an eye out for that Super yakky Halloween drop. They've been teasing it and I'm super excited for it, not just because they are a sponsor, but they are genuinely such great people, and I love supporting them, and their shirts are just kick-ass. Um, Shay, did you have anything you wanted to promote before we get out of here?
2: Sure. If people feel led, they can follow me on uh, really any social media. My username is the same everywhere that I have made it. Um, made a profile but it's at just Shay vassar and my name is s-h-e-a-v-a-s-s-a-r so yeah
1: yay
0: perfect and kayla did you have anything you wanted to promote before we get out of here
1: yeah all my plugs are on my twitter which is kayla k-a-i-l-a underscore ren
0: and then as always you can find me at jfc doomblade that's J-F-C-D-O-O-M-B-L-A-D-E. I'm mostly active on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find my work published on ScreenQueens.com and fangirls.com. That about wraps it up for this episode. Thank you for listening. We'll s- we're going to take a week off. I forgot to say that. We're going to take a week off this next week. So... We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. It's just a one-week break. But we'll see you when we come back.
1: See you next time.